This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 5th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Speculators take the heat whenever commodities or stocks make a move that defies immediate explanation, which is to say they take a lot of heat. But speculators deliver value to markets and help price assets more precisely. So says Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. I think it's important to keep in mind the timing of the sort of popping of the housing bubble was also at a time when you saw a big change in the marketplace via two mechanisms. There was one which is called the ABX index. It's an index of subprime stocks. And basically, it lets you short the housing market in a way. It lets you short the subprime market. That didn't get developed to 2006. Uh, and also about the same time, you had what are called Case-Shiller um, options that you could take an option and you could short housing prices overall. Now, what these two mechanisms allowed was information to come to the market. Prior to that time, we could all sit around and we could all tell ourselves, boy, this housing market's kind of crazy. You know, it's not going to last. But prior to that time, there was really no opportunity for you to actually make money, for you to voice that position of this is a bubble that's about to burst. So it's very important in those, in neither one of those cases. I mean, clearly in both of these indexes, you're not buying the house, you're not buying the subprime uh, mortgage, you're not buying the subprime security, you are taking a bet against it. Uh, and you're bringing that force to the marketplace. And I think once you had what I would call that information aggregation that's out there that allowed uh, the pessimist, if you are, you know, in some sense, really the realists about the state of the housing market to come in. I think that was one of the things, along with interest rate uh, hikes and other things, that precipitated the bursting of the bubble because you really did have their mechanism for people to come in and say, this is unsustainable. There was also an incentive, I guess, secondarily for investors who take a strong position in, uh, say, the housing bubble bursting to then make that case to other investors. Well, and this is one of the the, the arguments you always hear against uh People taking short positions, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's in the derivative market, that well, therefore, now they have an incentive to talk down that. I mean, you could say the opposite. Well, boy, anybody being able to buy a stock, they therefore now have an incentive to talk it up. So, you know, to some extent, it's the same thing that uh, bounds it on the way up is on the way down, which is to some extent, people are already going to pay so much for it. I would actually say, it's easier to offset somebody who tries to talk something down. For instance, let's take just a pure stock example where somebody tries to short a stock and somebody's talking it down. Well, this is an opportunity for the company. If, if a company really believes that the value of its shares are underpriced, it can go out and buy them on the market. In fact, I would argue that they have fiduciary duty to their outstanding shareholders to buy their market, uh, to buy their stock back if it's underpriced. And you could argue they might not have the money, but if it's truly a no-win, a no-lose proposition for the company, they could borrow. They could go to a bank and loan. They could float debt. Uh, they could put out bonds out there and swap that for equity if their equity is truly – if they believe it's underpriced and the market's talking it down. That's a great opportunity for them to buy back. Speculators in general have been a popular whipping boy whenever uh, a commodity price or stock prices or something are just considered to be out of whack by some – some standard. Um, what actions are Congress and uh, the administration taking to sort of prevent that type of uh, information? There's a number of discussions that are going on uh, in terms of uh, Congress in, in looking at banning the outright 
what's called a naked position where you're taking uh, a side of a, of a bet or if you're taking a, a side of a, an asset when you don't actually own the asset. You know, you're just, are you bar, you're saying you're going to borrow it when that, when that's never transacted. Uh, and the argument would be, you know, these are people who are just adding speculation to the marketplace. Now, whether this ultimately is going to happen or not is hard to say at this point. I mean, it's being talked about in the house, what comes of it, it you know, it's hard to tell. Um, but, you know, it's something that people really want to point to every time. I look at it as more a shoot the messenger. You don't really like that, uh, especially if you're a company, you don't like somebody coming out saying you might be mismanaged. You know, what management likes to hear that? Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, if you listen to look at all the economic policies of this administration, there's the assumption that somehow where we were in 2006 was fine. You know, how's it, we weren't in a housing bubble. We, the economy wasn't, you know, beyond, we weren't all living beyond our means. And therefore, the people who brought that information and might have questioned it, they're the one who caused it, the party to end, not that the party itself was unsustainable. So it really is a lot of the anti-speculator uh, driven rhetoric is really anti, we don't like the message. And we're going to shoot the messenger rather than you know evaluate whether the message itself makes any sense or not. What other value do speculators provide aside from this- uh, Price discovery. Price discovery and, and uh, bringing a lot of- often facts to the table that might not otherwise come forth. Very big, important role that uh, speculators or other buyers that who aren't actually holding the asset can provide is liquidity. If you think about it this way, let's say you buy a bond and let's say you buy a GM bond and you buy a credit default swap based on GM so that somehow you've hedged the credit risk in that bond. But let's say you get in a situation where you want to raise some money uh, and you need to sell that credit default swap. Well, if you're limited to only selling that credit default swap to somebody else who owns who only owns that same bond, well, obviously you're going to want to have a much harder time of finding somebody willing to buy it, and two, when you do, you're going to get a much lower price. So the extent that those speculators are out there and that they're um, in that marketplace, they actually make a ready market for you to be able to sell those assets out into the marketplace. One of the biggest problems they've had with resolving AIG, for instance, is they've tried to find people to buy out the sides of the transactions. For instance, a lot of the credit default swaps, they've tried to go out and find somebody be like, oh, well, you know, you have this bond for this company. Would you like to buy this default credit default swap? And if there was a broader market for that, I mean, what really caused a lot of problems was the illiquidity of these assets. And if anything, we have the problem that there's probably not enough trading by speculators in some of these assets and some of these contracts rather than too much. Because I would argue, if anything, I mean, there's a real debate about whether they require provide liquidity at all. Uh, I think that they clearly do in theory, and I think they do in a small way. But I think what needs to happen is to have a broader market and that have real liquidity there beyond what we see today. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.